Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, okay. All right, uh, good morning everybody. Uh, I'm John Barlow, if some of you haven't met me. Uh, I was actually in this class a few weeks ago and I also saw Mike's presentation at the men's breakfast and I was like, wow, I've lived pretty much everything he was talking about, like the worst parts, and kind of came out on the other side, you know, with a better relationship with Christ and I just wanted to share my perspective with you guys to help you get a better understanding maybe and maybe encourage other people that have gone through the same things I have or just in general. So, <clears throat> um, I lead one of the seven pillars groups here, which basically it's a workbook that helps guys kind of identify the roots of sexual issues in their lives and pornography addiction. And uh, I just wanted to share my story again. So, statistically, pornography is rampant. Uh, according to a study by Pure Desire Ministries, 33% of all Americans seek out pornography at least once a month. Uh, 68% of Christian men struggle with unwanted sexual behavior, and 51% of male students and 32% of female students first view pornography before the age of 12. Uh, personally, my first experience came with pornography when I was five years old. So before I could read, I had seen pornography in a closet in my house. So, um, this was a very small event in my life that left an everlasting impact on me. Um, a few years later, on the age of nine, uh, I had another experience that forever changed how I saw myself and the people around me. Um, I was sexually abused by a male neighbor. Um, in the aftermath of everything that I felt, I felt personally responsible for what had happened to me, even though it was out of my control. Um, I left that experience feeling like I was going to hell and that God couldn't love me because of what happened. I couldn't really talk to anyone about it because I felt like I was going to get in trouble. Um, I dealt with all that shame as a nine-year-old by myself, and I honestly didn't talk about it until like two years ago. I'm 28 now, and that happened when I was nine, so that's, that's a long time to keep something in. Um, <clears throat> I left that with two things in my mind, uh, that I couldn't tell anyone and I couldn't trust anyone. People weren't safe to be around alone. People weren't safe to get close to, especially male figures, um, and just left a lot of trust issues in my life. Um, moving on, during my early teenage years, I would pursue pornography more frequently to cope with any pain that I experienced, any pressure, any pain, any anxiety. Uh, pornography just kind of came, became my secret friend that I would go to. Um, I had more of a relationship with pornography than I did with like any human beings. Like, it's, it's weird to say but it's, it's true. I knew that what I watched in my private life did not align with what I believed spiritually. And as naive as it sounds, I thought that once I found the right woman that I would have no more need for pornography. Um, through relation, relationships that I had with things would start off good and I would be able to keep a lid on pornography and not use it. But as things deteriorated in the relationship, I found myself going back to it and then I would have a secret life. Um, looking back at my life, I saw small stepping stones that led me to the darkest parts of my life. What started as a moral decision as a young boy turned into a compulsion. As things began to escalate in my life, around the age of 24, I began looking outside my relationships for comfort. I engaged in the first of several emotional affairs. And again, like what Mike was saying, that started out with compliments, you know, 
building relationships with other women, listening to them. It's small stepping stones that end you up in a place that you never want to be. Soon those emotional affairs turned into physical affairs. I felt like I had kept my secret life hidden from everyone else in my life, but God knew what was going on. God knows us fully and completely. But God also loved me enough to expose my sin. On a June night in 2015, several things happened that should not have happened. Um, My phone remained unlocked, which never happens, as weird as it sounds. And then it had actually linked itself to an email account that I had where I used that to email other women outside of my relationship and build connection with them. There is plenty of evidence of my misdeeds, and what was in that email account ended up in the hands of someone who would hurt, be hurt most by my exposure. Everything that I had clung to so dearly was laid bare. Even now, I'm just realizing the message that I was sending to the woman I was dating during that time with my porn addiction, with the affairs I had. I was saying to her without saying, you aren't good enough, you aren't pretty enough, you're not skinny enough. I wish you were different. After everything came out, my relationship dissolved. I lost several friendships because of my exposures. It truly was a rock bottom moment. I really reached out to God in that time. It's like, all right, I get what you're trying to tell me. Like, help me, (laughs) help me, help me, help me. Um, I began rebuilding my life one step at a time. I realized during this time of growth that it was not a problem that I could battle on my own. I needed other men who could help me stand back up when I had setbacks. Through everything that happened, my brother remained a rock-steady support, and it wasn't someone beating me over the head every time I made a mistake. It was genuine love and support. It's like, okay, you made a mistake. Let's see how you got to that point, and let's make sure that doesn't happen again. My brother could see the person behind the sin. My brother also persistently invited me back to church until I ran out of good excuses not to. As I became more involved in JBC, I met Ed Cooper and Matt Cook. Uh, For those of you who don't know, they were the original pioneers who brought Seven Pillars and the Conquer series to this church to help battle pornography, which is an amazingly hard thing to do. Like, it's hard to stand up here and talk to you guys about this stuff, but bringing a ministry to this church, like, it's amazing. So thank you. Um... I ended up talking to Ed after a service one day, and he invited me to the class, and I decided to go, and I started working through the material. Um, I found out that my addiction to pornography and sexual immorality wasn't the root of everything. There was deep-set pain, anxiety, feelings of like not being good enough that I hadn't addressed. I came to understand that the enemy had used trauma from my past to make me believe lies about myself and my identity. Some of these lies were that I was not good enough for God, that I would have to work for grace, that God could forgive everyone else except for me, that I would never be a leader because I was not perfect. I've learned that my past, present, and future mistakes do not define who I am. I've come to know that my identity is in Christ and not myself. Moving forward to where I am today, after all the mistakes I've made in my life, I never believed that God would trust me with the heart of another woman. If I had a daughter, I wouldn't want her near any man that acted the way I had in my past. I, uh, I met my bride-to-be, Amanda, and she's amazing. We're getting married in June. <laughs> Thank you. After everything I've gone through, I'm like, I'm not going to hide anything. 
everything's going to be out in the open. And I got close enough to her. I was like, here's the situation. Here's everything that I've done. These are my current struggles. This is what I'm working towards. I don't want this in my life. And dude, like I, <laughs> I was expecting to get just shut down and rejected. And I would totally be okay with that. I would understand that. But she didn't do that. She's like, it's okay. She's like, I support you. I'm here for you, and we'll get through this. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever felt. Having someone there that supports you and helps you through stuff gives you a lot of encouragement to make the right choice, even when things look bleak. So, thank you. <laughs> After going through the Seven Pillars program twice, I've decided that I want to use my story to help other men and grow this ministry. I believe that all men can benefit from this material. Not only understanding ourselves better, but also being able to provide support and understanding for those who are desperately seeking help. Someone once said it is easier to be accepted as a murderer than someone who struggles with sexual immorality in a church. My hope is the JBC would be different, that if someone has made the choice to address their sin and are looking for help, that we would be able to come alongside them and lift them up that we would see someone who is not a pervert or has no self-control, but someone as a child of God who has been affected by sin and is hurting. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a good week. Thank you, John. That is absolutely awesome. just tell you that uh, what we do is I, I do some premarital counseling. And with premarital counseling, I, they have a, a test that we take, um, the husband or the the, um, the man and then the lady. And what they do is they take a test. It's like a um, it's like a Myers Briggs. Uh, you know, Myers Briggs is a personality test, but it's a relational test of the strengths and weaknesses. And what happens is that when they take the test, I get a whole bunch of information about where the strengths are and about where the weaknesses are. So I can go right to the the weaknesses. Um, and, and some strength and say, okay, well, these are his strengths. You guys got this down. Now let's work on this. And, and uh, Amanda and, and John came in and, and, uh, for, for premarital counseling as they, they're getting married. And, and uh, there was something um, different about them um, than I would almost say not everyone, but the majority of people that I counsel. And the thing that was absolutely different about them is they just expose everything to everybody before they're, even, before they're even married, just in a sense of, this is who I am. And Amanda's like, this is who I am. And there's just something Christ about that. <laughs> something um, that is just a complete, transformed heart is like, I'm a sinful individual redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed by God, saved, not slammed, free, not chained. And I can tell you who I am, and you can still love me in, inside of it. And uh, I just thought that that was um, just absolutely phenomenal. I just wanted to, to bring that up because many people, us, you know, we carry sins and, and we just are afraid to, you know, even um, expose them, afraid to be able to see and, uh, and in their relationship. They're like, no, we're not. We are saved by God. We're confident in God and things are good and things will be good and we'll fight the sins that we have. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. I wanted him to talk before we start talking about fighting sexual um, addiction, and that is what our, our um, topic is um, on this uh, this morning. And I just want you guys to continue to have that resonate in your mind of of John's testimony. Um, number one, three evil things that keep um, you in sexual addiction. 
what's taken place in this world is that um, people are being addicted at a very, very young age. Uh, pornography is running rampant. Sexual addiction is running rampant, and it is extremely addictive. And is even, even as John has said, that it controls, it manipulates, it drives, it replaces, it carries in areas that it should not carry. It is something that is very powerful that is in you. So how are you going to fight something uh, this powerful? Um, three things that keep you from fighting it is, number A, is guilt. Uh, now you might be thinking, well, no, we need guilt you know, to get out of it. Yes, we do need guilt to get out of it, but there's two different kinds of guilt, and these two different kinds of guilt is found in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance. There is a guilt out there that will bring you to repentance, but there's another guilt out there without regret, repentance without regret. Another guilt is leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now, what are those two differences in regards, to, um, in regards to guilt? On the back of your notes, you will see true guilt, and you'll see false accusations. Um, what takes place is that God wants to reproof us, if you listen to the sermon this morning, to get us on track, and there's a cross that washes us clean and wipes the sin out so we can be strong enough to continue to fight the sin, because if the sin is not washed away, we're not strong enough to even fight the sin that is there. So true guilt speaks with conviction, reminding you that you are guilty of sin. That's what true guilt is. But false accusations makes you, I feel like a failure and not worthy, um, not um, as worthy as others. Um, this is exactly what Satan wants to do for somebody that's involved into a sexual addiction. He wants to take us and say, God would not save you. God would not embrace you. And there's so many people in the world and so many people in our church that are refusing God because they do not believe that his grace is powerful enough to save them. True guilt is concerned about developing your inner character. False accusations, I worry about how I'm looking in the eyes of others. True guilt communicates God's loves and encouragement. False guilt, I feel humiliated when I do something wrong. So you guys have that list there, and I don't want to go all the way through the list, and I just encourage you to look over the list that there's two different kinds of guilt. And you want the guilt that is going to bring you to repentance, leading you to salvation. And you do not want the guilt that will produce death. If you choose to have the guilt that is going to produce death, you cannot get out of sexual sin. Because one thing that takes place to be able to get out of sexual sin is you have to have freedom. Because if you have freedom, you have strength. Now, we can go to God and say, God, please forgive me. But if we don't believe it, we're still, we're still bound. And then when we are approaching it again, it is going to continue to pull us down, pull us down, pull us down, because we will not have enough power to overcome it until we are free. That is why the cross has been given to us. That's why the Holy Spirit has been given to us, is to wipe out the sin, to wipe out the past, so you can be strong enough to overcome the next temptation. And if we do not wipe out the sin, we do not wipe out the past, we won't be strong enough to overcome the next temptation. So guilt is one factor that Satan just loves to put in there. You're no good, you're rotten, and make you not strong enough to um, uh, avoid the temptation next time. The next one is shame. Now you'll see guilt and shame very similar, um, but there is um, a freedom in Christ where there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, 3 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, 
set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and so condemn sin in the sinful man. Um, There is a power that Christ has given us and that power is the death and resurrection on the cross. It is there for the purpose of condemning the sin inside of the sinful man. Well, how do you condemn sin inside the sinful man? Well, if you look at the cross, there is a gift that's given to you. And that gift is a laying down of a perfect God that loves you. Observing that, watching that, should do nothing but go, oh my goodness, I cannot believe what I have in Christ. I cannot believe who I am in Christ. I cannot believe um, what I can be displayed in Christ. I cannot believe everything that Christ has given me. There should be that power that is in us, and if that power is not in us, shame will replace it. And to fight sexual sin and have shame at the same time, you will always, always, always be defeated. Now, this was also taking place in regards to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. What does the law do? The law does nothing but condemn you. The law does nothing but tell you how bad you are. But what does the cross do? The cross does nothing but tell you how wonderful you are in Christ. And so when you're fighting the struggle of sexual sin, if something takes place where you fall into sexual sin, there is complete redemption and shame, looking at that cross, should be completely wiped away. And the reason why it should be completely wiped away is because if temptation comes again, the thing that's going to make you fall over the cliff is the inside feeling of shame. Because if you are down, you'll go down further. If you're down, you'll go down further. But if you are up, you will remain up. And that's why the cross carries so much power. And that's how Christ kills the sin that is in us. Number C, uh, uh, feeding the appetite would be the third thing, um, that uh, the three evils that keep you from sexual addiction. Um, I like to eat, and the reason why I like to eat is because I eat um, a lot. So if I eat a lot, um, I will continue to want to eat more and more and more and more because the more that you eat, the more the appetite grows. That's just the way that, the way that we function. Whenever we take something and feed ourselves, appetite grows and it comes the, way, the same way with sin. Whenever you sin... It does nothing more but make the appetite increase. It makes the appetite grow. So to fight sexual addiction, feeding it is the worst thing you can possibly do. And the best thing you can possibly do is starve it. And the reason why starving it's the best thing you do is because your appetite will no longer grow from it. So not having guilt, not having shame, and going and producing yourself, I will starve the appetite of of the sin that, it ha- that has me and the sin that is entangled me. Those are the three things that keep us from sexual addiction, or keep us from conquering sexual addiction. Number two, three spiritual things that will help you get out of sexual addiction. Um, you're going to see the same thing in regards to guilt, shame, and feeding the appetite, but you're going to see it in an offensive form, and this would be the offensive form. Um, letter A, be born again. There's a concept that goes all the way through the Bible. It talks about new nature and old nature. And that concept is revealed in John chapter 3. What you need to do is you need to be born again. That means you would be a new man. That means you would be a new woman in who? Christ. 
where your whole mind would be different, your whole worldview would be different, your whole life would be different because you have a Savior that even took your past away and completely took it out. John 3, 3 through 8 says, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is, what? Born again. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Um, The kingdom of God, we can look at the concept of already, not yet. And what I mean by already, not yet, is if you look at the word kingdom, you have king, and then you have a dumb. So that would be dome. So there's a king, and then there's a dome, meaning that there is a place where that king rules and a place where that king reigns. So king, there is a king in the kingdom, and then there's a dome that's in the kingdom. Now what I mean by already, not yet, is when we get to heaven, what are we going to get? We're going to get the king, and then we're going to get the dome, which is what? Which is, which is heaven. But already, do we have anything in the kingdom right now? Do we have anything? Yes, we do. Do you know what we have? We have the king. The king is here. That means already, but not completely yet, because we're not going to be in his dome. But we still have the king. If you want a taste of the kingdom, what do you want to do? You want to hang on to the king. You want to go towards the king. You want to be born again. And the day that you are born again is the day that your eternity starts with the king. Before I was born again, I did not have a king. But after I'm born again, I have a king. And one day I'll have a dome, but I still have the king in the process of my fighting. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom. Do you want to see a taste of the kingdom of God here on earth? You can, in a sense that you can talk to the king, you can love the king, you can work with the king. Yes, there will be a dome later, but yes, you can see pieces of the kingdom because there is a God that has embraced you when you are born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter to a second, um, second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but a spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see the already not yet? When you're born again, you get the king, and the spirit. Well, let me try to explain the spirit. Jesus is explaining the spirit of the world, in, in the world. And he said, it's like the wind. <laughs> you know that is there, but you can't see it. But there is a working that's taking place. There is a God that is present in your life. So therefore, if you want a taste of this God, if you want to know this God, what do you need to do? Receive the God, and then you're born again, and then the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's a very, very powerful statement. It's salvation. That's what salvation is. So you're no longer walking alone in your temptation. You're no longer walking alone in your world. You're no longer walking alone in your struggles. You have a taste of the kingdom that is here, and the kingdom is the king. Now, we're going to get him even more intense when we get to heaven, but we still have the king here. So when we look at sexual sin in regards to we need to be born again, is it? I want to be a new person. Um, And I can be a new person. Whenever we look at relationships and relationship struggles or even second marriages and those things, the the first thing that we want to anchor to is, number one, 
We want your marriage to be born again. Uh, We want you to be born again. We want to start over. And the only way that born again could ever happen is to put Christ in the center of this marriage, in the center of your life, in the center of your choices, in the center of your direction. Because why? Everything else is, oh, that was back then. Now everything else is new with Christ. There's a power in being a born again, and that is the only way that you can fight sexual addiction. You've got to have a God that is there. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. In Christ is what? I am born again. I am in Christ. I'm a new person. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Now, this is a verse that everybody um, should hang on to in regards to being married, (laughs) Um, starting a new marriage. And the reason why we should hang on to it is because as we are children, our minds are so rich, are so sensitive. If we are neglected, if our father neglects us, we will walk into a marriage with issues. If we are beaten as a child, we will walk into our marriage with, with issues. If our parents are alcoholics when we're children, we will walk into our marriage with issues. Hate, pain, your anger, pain. If you were sexually molested as a child, you will walk into your marriage with an extreme amount um, of issues, issues to the extreme. Well, how do you get rid of those issues? The only way to get rid of those issues is to be born again and start new. Now, if you refuse to get rid of these issues, and many, many people refuse to get rid of them, what takes place is that you'll spend your whole marriage relationship fighting, controlling, bickering, and you won't even understand where it's coming from. You have to be born again, where you can be a new person, and the stuff in the past has to be wiped out. If the stuff in the past is not wiped out, then we're not new in our relationship. Then we're not strong in our relationship. Then we're not new when we're being tempted. Then we're not new when we're falling into sin. You see, the power of salvation and the power of being born again is the power that we have to have in every aspect of our life, mostly if we're going to fight the sexual addictions. Uh, Letter B, after being born again, we also need to confess. Confession is the other way to fight off spiritual addiction. Uh, What is confession? Confession is literally speaking out um, from your voice. Your voice saying something. Now, is there power um, in saying something? Um, There is an extreme amount of power um, in saying something. The reason why there's an extreme amount of power in saying something is because then your ears get to listen to your heart. If we don't say it, then our ears never get to listen to our heart. But if you say it, then all of a sudden your ears get to listen to your heart and you get to see clearly of what is going on, what's taking place. Um, during our early years, my wife and I went to counseling. We wanted to make sure that you know, nothing would grow in our relationship that was um, going to be big, that can continue to snowball and get larger and larger. So we said, we're going to wipe everything out um, before anything, anything happens. So we went to counseling during our younger years. And, and, um, and the reason why I went to counseling is because um, my wife was at fault. And uh, she did everything wrong, and I did everything right, and she needed to know it. So we went to somebody else to tell her that she did everything wrong. And so we sat in front of the counselor. And uh, we started talking. And uh, it was her turn to talk. And I'm like, yeah, 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 she's messed up. She's messed up. And then it was my turn to talk. And then I started to speak. And then as I was speaking, I will never forget uh, my response to my speaking. I was talking. As I continued to talk, I continued to bury myself a hole. And I started sounding, I sound like a jerk. 
I sound like a selfish person. I sound like somebody who is abusive to the point of manipulation, abusive to the point of using, how in this world could this woman even want to be married to me? But that never happened until there's somebody sitting in the room and I started talking. That's why counseling is so, so powerful. Because if you want to hear your heart, it's got to come out of your mouth to get to your ears. And then when your ears hear your heart, there can be conviction that definitely takes place. Now, it doesn't always happen, but I will tell you there, I was really, really humbled. And I'll tell you, that was the last time we went to the counseling session. So I looked at my wife and said, I'm a jerk. And she says, I know. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, 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 I'll learn on this. I'll get better and better and better. But that's the power of confession to people. But there's also power of confession to God. When you are speaking out to God, who are you speaking to? You're speaking to a Savior that died on the cross in your stead. You're speaking to somebody that's paying your price. And when you're saying these words of the things that nailed him on the cross, your sin, I have done this, God, I am sorry, then there is power in it. Remember the power of the Spirit and the wind of being born again? There's power in making the statement, God, please forgive me for doing and then saying this specific thing coming off of your lips. Power of confession to God, but also power of confession to others. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you look at this verse, you only need to do one thing. Is that correct? One thing is what? You need to confess. And if you confess, what happens? You get four things. Look at the verse. If you confess, he is faithful, he will forgive, he will cleanse. I'm sorry, three things. I kind of wrap it up there a little bit. Of unrighteousness, we'll just do four. You do one, you get four. That's the way God works. You do one, you get four. Is there a God that pursues us? <laughs> Is there a God that wants us? Is there a God that desires us to be clean, to be whole? All you have to do is say it out of your lips. And if you can say it out of your lips, four things from me, from my hand, from God's hand, will come directly to you. There's power in confession. Letter C, fill your mind with um, God, prayer, and the word. break addiction you want to be free Um, nobody um, is free in this world Uh, we live in this world and in this world we say well we have freedom of speech we have freedom to bear arms we have all these freedoms the answer is nobody is free in this world and the closest to freedom you can get is looking at the bible and obeying every word you possibly can to it Because when you obey the word, you obey God, that is the only time that we get taste of freedom. But when you choose to not obey God, that's when the shackles and the chains go on you. And we're talking about sexual addiction. Is there shackles and chains in sexual addictions? Um, Everybody um, can say, yes, there's shackles and chains in sexual addiction. They hold you, they own you, they use you, they, they manipulate you, they tear you apart. I just listened to um, an interview from, from Ted Bundy, and um, this is on YouTube. Ted Bundy um, was a mass murderer years ago, and uh, Chuck Swindoll was given this interview, and he explained about the change that held him, ruled him, and controlled him, and it was sexual addiction. And in the process of that sexual addiction, it drew them into other things. He is not a free man even when he was outside. 
fact, he's probably less free when he is outside than even when he was locked up. He was chained. And see, what happens is that we can be free, but we can only be free by going to where we're designed to go, which is God's Word. John eight thirty two. the truth will do what? Make you free? <laughs> what does the world say? Don't look at the Bible. The Bible is full of rules, guidelines that control you, that own you. The Bible says, no, it's not. If you want to be free, this is what's going to set you free. If you want to be in chains, go outside of it, and then the shackles will come on. Isaiah 30, 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. So when you go into the Word, there is a controlling that even takes place in the Word, that these are the words of God that is sending me a direction, but the direction is where? The direction is freedom. And inside of freedom, what are you going to find? Joy, happiness, peace. You're going to find that. Outside of the Word, you're not going to find that. So if you want to break the sexual addiction, yes, be born again, confess, but fill your mind with God, prayer, and the Word. And this is the first steps outside of sexual addiction. So these are the kind of the spiritual things that we can do. And there's some practical things we can do to break sexual addiction as well. Number three, uh, three practical things that uh, will help you get out of sexual addiction. So looking at practical, we'll just look at A, uh, find an accountability partner or accountability uh, group. Uh, You definitely do not want to walk on it alone. Um, because the more you conceal it, the more you hide it, the hotter it gets, and the more it grows. So find somebody to speak out to, because then what you do, you get to hear yourself talk, you get to hear where your heart heart is at. Somebody to speak with, walk with, encourage with is very, very powerful. And um, and we want to thank the guys that are leading um, uh, the pillars, the seven pillars, because um, it has been a powerful group um, that for the people there, there's been freedom, but there's been many people that still reject. And, uh, and, and that, that rejection is continuing the chains, but it's there. Those who embrace it, find that, find that freedom because you cannot do it, definitely cannot do it alone. And then another practical area, um, be uh, use filter programs. Um, there's just a couple websites that are talking about filter programs. Um, just to you know, say it very bluntly, um, we're in a new day and age. Um, the old day and age is you had to go somewhere and purchase a magazine or purchase something and bring it to the counter and, and, and pay for it and then leave. That's, that's the old days. Nowadays, that thing is in the back of your pocket. Almost every day you walk, you walk around. Um, and it's just at a, a click of a button. And then you go watch a commercial and the commercials are driving you towards it. it the world is a, a sexual world and is driving you towards, uh, do, driving you towards it. So Therefore, if you don't want to feed the appetite, you need to block the appetite out for the purpose of starting to starve, starve that. So these are some computer programs that will just allow, you know, for blocks to be on it. And then letter C, uh, fill your mind with the good. There is so much good out there. And, um, and what I mean by so much good is that there is a God who came for us, and we can go on and on and on and on about what we have, but just to make a really fast statement is that we are more rich than we even know, (laughs) than we can possibly understand. We are more rich in Christ than we can even imagine. I think when we get to heaven, get to that dome, we will look at God and say, I cannot believe who I am in you, and I cannot believe what I've been given and what I've been granted. Um, There is so much good out there, but we live in the world 
as we turn on the news, as we turn on the TV, as we turn on YouTube, uh, what is the world proclaiming? The world is proclaiming negative. People buy what? People buy negative. Um, Because negative comes at the spur of the moment. Good comes in a process. So the world is selling negative, and as people, we're taking that into our mind, as we're taking it in our mind, we are becoming negative, 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 negative. There is so much good out there in salvation. Fill your mind specifically with the good of what you have. Romans six eleven. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What is alive to God in Christ Jesus? Everything that you've ever wanted in your entire nature. That's what you're going to get if you're in Christ Jesus. And then Proverbs 5.19, this is my best verse in the Bible. I just consistently talk about it, and I've been talking about it for the last three months. Be intoxicated always with your wife's love. Fill your mind with good. Fill your mind with whole. Fill your mind with your wife. Fill your mind with your husband. And if you're not married, fill your mind with a a future. And um, a future to protect yourself now for a blessed future um, in the future. For a blessed future in the future. For a blessed time um, in the future.